This morning's reading is from John chapter 1, starting at verse 29. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the, the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, and I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning round, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was all, it was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John had, heard what John had said, and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Amen. And thanks be to God. What what I would like to do this morning is speak a little bit about the the Church of Scotland and kind of how it works and what it's doing and, and that kind of thing. I was speaking with somebody recently who has been a worshipper here for a long time and yet they said they didn't actually know really anything about about the Church of Scotland as, as a whole. And I thought, well, you know, I've worshipped here for a very long time and I didn't find out that much about the Church of Scotland uh, until I started doing training for being an ordained local minister. So I'm going to have to say some things this morning. And we are worshipping God and we look to hear from God as well. And what I'd like to ask you as we do a very quick zip through lots of different things this morning, are there things that you would like to know about the Church of Scotland that you'd never, you've always wanted to ask about, but you've never actually asked? Or maybe you haven't thought to ask them, but now you do. So if there is anything that you would like to know especially, um, I'm also uh, preaching next week. So could you maybe get me afterwards or write it down in a, a note and hand it to me? And I will attempt, as long as they're not too hard, I will attempt to find out um, the answers to your questions. So for, for, for next week, if there's anything that occurs to you about the Church of Scotland that you want to know about, uh, please do uh, write it down or message me, or if you're online, put it in the chat, and, and somebody will uh, get them to me, and we can um, put together next week's service. And then I can answer questions that you might have. 
The Church of Scotland, as I said, doesn't have, in theory, doesn't have important people. Uh, one of our foundational things is that everybody can come to Christ themselves without having to go through anybody. And as part of that, we elect each year a moderator. And their job is to, at the General Assembly, where ministers and elders come together each year in May, um, their job is to basically sit at the front and, and tell people when they can speak, and then to tell them when they can't speak because they've spoken for too long. There's, there's times, you've got three minutes or five minutes and things. And that person represents the Church of Scotland just for 12 months. And then somebody else does the job next year. And somebody else does it the year after that. So it, it, it rotates a lot. At the moment, our moderator is a lady called Sally Foster Fullerton. And Sally is the CEO of Christian Aid. She's taking a sabbatical, a condiment from that to be our moderator this year. She spoke at the uh, General Assembly service at St. Giles in May, and I have to say it's the best sermon I've ever heard. Uh, if, if you are able and have time, uh, it's, it's online. Uh, you can look up the General Assembly service on the Church of Scotland website and listen to what Sally said to us that morning. The theme of the General Assembly this year was remember who you are. Remember who you are. And Sally told us that this was something that her grandmother told her every morning when she went out to school. She was brought up in the, the south of the United States. And it was this, remember who you are. It was spoken already about you have, there's nobody between you and God. So if we think about who, who are we? Who, who who am I? Who are you? How do you how do you define yourself? Do you define yourself by how old or how young you are? Do you define yourself by those around you? Uh, a brother, a sister, uh, a father, a, a daughter, uh, a cousin. How do you define yourself? Do you define yourself by a role that you have? A job? A voluntary position? What is it that you do? Is that how you define yourself? Who are you? And Sally reminded us that once everything else is, is stripped away, who are you comes back to you are a child of God who is seen, who is known, and who is loved. And if nothing else this morning, I would say remember, remember this. No matter who we think we are, what circumstances happen to us, people around us, we, each of us, are a child of God who is seen, known, and loved. I have suggested that what is foundational about the Church of Scotland is that we can all come to God through Jesus. As children of God, we have that right to do so. 
we have the idea that everybody is the same. We're all Jock Tamsons Bairns, uh, as the saying goes. And I, I find out, I was interested to find out, where does this Jock Tamsons Bairns thing come from? And I assumed, like many things in Scotland, it was something to do with Robert Burns. Uh, but in fact, it's not. It turns out Jock Tamson was John Thompson, who was the minister at Duddingston Kirk over by Arthur's seat. And he referred to his congregation as his bairns. And that's where the saying came from, that we're all Jock Thompson's bairns. We can all come to God. Nobody is in the way. In the Church of Scotland, this kind of plays out by having lots of parishes. Um, the One of the founding pieces, the articles of the Church of Scotland, says that as a national church, representative of the Christian faith of the Scottish people, it acknowledges the distinctive call and duty to bring the ordinances of religion to the people in every parish of Scotland through a territorial ministry. So we have parishes, and every part of Scotland is uh, part of a parish. I know this because one of my jobs in in one two one is actually to look after the map. It says where the parishes are. Now in Edinburgh, we're not too worried about parishes really because we go to the churches that we want to go to. Um, but Berkeley Viewforth has a patch that is our patch that we have responsibility for. And David, who we think of as being our minister, isn't actually the minister of this congregation. David is the minister of the parish. He is minister of the place. And we happen to be the congregation in the place. And places are all different. Um, different contexts, different places, different ways of life. My, my colleague had been in, in Orkney last week, and she said that the even going out to, to Westry and Papa Westry, the, the contexts were so different from Kirkwall. Anyway, I, I come from Edinburgh, so um, I, think, I think of Orkney as being kind of the same. But she said, no, they're all different. And our churches are all different. Some will use screens. Some will use, will use hymn books. Some will have choirs. Some will have taped music because they haven't got musicians to help lead them in worship. All different. And this morning I've tried to choose, choose some hymns and songs that reflect that, uh, that diversity. So we've had uh, Be Thou My Vision, which is from the 8th century um, and is an, an Irish song. And we'll do some more recent ones um, coming up as well. The Church of Scotland also has a mission across the world. It looks after social care in Scotland through Crossreach, its um, social care council that looks after people from, from birth. They have, um, uh, well, they have, they have uh, prenatal, postnatal uh, counselling for, for mothers and families. They work with children and young people who need special education. Um, and various forms of, of counselling and addiction recovery and through to looking after older people as well. And they've got centres from, from Shetland, um, certainly to Glasgow and Ayrshire as well. Sally's words at the uh, start of assembly and the, the theme of this year's General Assembly, Remember Who You Are, is 
an important thing, she's speaking to us as, as individuals, but also to the wider Church of Scotland. And for myself, uh, growing up uh, in, in this church, where we have always had that um, extreme importance about, about biblical preaching, as is, as is appropriate, and going directly to Jesus, um, one thing that perhaps we, we don't hear about so much is that we can fail to forget, we can forget or we can fail to pass on what has happened in between. Um, the, the times written off in the Bible are 2,000 years ago. And it is, of course, important to be hearing week by week what Jesus did, what the disciples did, how they point us to God. Please don't suggest that, please don't think I'm suggesting anything else. Jesus is, is Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And He is the way in which we come to God. But here in Scotland, we are, we are 2,000 years later, and God has been doing things in these 2,000 years. It's not as though things stopped at the end of Acts or the end of Revelation or something. God has been at work, and there are things that we can learn from that, good things, and perhaps we can look at things where we think people have gone astray, but they're all things that we can learn about. We sang there a song kind of from the Iona community, and in Scotland we often think about our faith coming from Iona. But actually, um, if we think further back, the Romans came to Scotland in, in the first century. I mean, we know there's lots of Roman things at Cramond, a fort, and that the lion that they, they found in the river, and uh, Melrose, Trimontium, big Roman camps, Roman roads, Antonine Wall, and things. And there were Christians amongst those Romans who came to Scotland. Sometimes we kind of think, well, you know, we didn't hear about, there weren't Christians in Scotland till, I don't know, a few hundred years ago. But there were Christians in those forts and in those places. Rushing forward a few hundred years, we can think of the Isle of Whithorn in the southwest of Scotland, where Ninian was sent to, to the White House. But Ninian was sent to be the bishop to the community of Christians who were already there. So there were people worshipping God even right back to about the 300s. Again, zooming forward, uh, Columba came to Iona in about 563, we think, and founded the, the abbey there, and monks went out all up the west coast um, in little boats, little coracles, to where the, where the sea took them. And if you think of all the place names up the west coast, all the standing stones, uh, crosses where people would come to preach. Deep history of our faith in this land. But for this part of, of Scotland, um, we can think of uh, Aidan, who came from Iona, because the people in Northumberland, in Lindisfarne, people around there, weren't listening to somebody that came to tell them the good news about Christ. 
And that person went back to Iona and said, those people won't listen to anything, and they don't do this, and they don't do that, and they won't hear us. And And Aidan said, well, kind of, where where are you preaching nicely to them? And to cut a long story short, Aidan was then sent to what we now know as, as Lindisfarne and to the court of, of Oswald. From Aden came Cuthbert. Cuthbert was a shepherd in the hills above Melrose when he saw a vision of Aden's death and Aden being taken up into heaven. And he joined the, the, uh, the cathedral, the monastery in Melrose, and he rose to become uh, Bishop of Lindisfarne. When he was at Melrose, it said that Cuthbert took a longer walk than usual and came to Edinburgh from Melrose, quite a long walk, and, and founded the, the church that is now St Cuthbert's at, at the base of the Castle Rock. Not the one in the corner of, of Lothian Road, the one kind of down, which would have been at the, the head of the Norloch at that time. So St Cuthbert's church is the one with uh, deepest roots and longest history in in Edinburgh. Edinburgh used to basically be the parish of St Cuthbert. Um, this would have been part of St Cuthbert's parish. At the moment, where we are now, St Cuthbert's parish stops at Toll Cross, where we meet it. And of course, the building is a, a, a much more modern one. But that's the kind of deep history of how the faith came to our part. I'm going to scream forward about 900 years, we then get the Reformation in 1540, kind of starting off around about St. Andrews. Um, and again, whistle-stop tour of Church of Scotland history here. Zipping forward again, the National Covenant signed in 1638 at, at Greyfriars, um, where the people in Scotland didn't want to have the prayer book that was being um, imposed uh, from from England. The, the Covenanters would, were, were not able to preach in churches, so they would preach out in the hills. You'll see many places were known as the Pulpit Rock, uh, for example, um, in, in the Pentlands, um, in, in the southwest, the Battle of, of Rollian Green in, in the Pentlands, the Covenanters' Grave uh, above West Linton, where somebody was, was found injured and was carried and, and buried in sight of the the Ayrshire Hills. There are many books and things you can read all about this. Um, but our, our Church of Scotland has continued to have that lack of important people, um, which has led to to splits over, over many things. The, the Church has split over who should look after the Church. Should heritors provide the Church and the seating? They've split over state support for the church. Should the church be supported by, by ourselves giving money to the church or should the government, uh, support the church? And there's, there's a wonderful infographic of, of how the Church of Scotland has, has split up and has come together and other bits have split and other bits have come together and it looks kind of like a jellyfish tentacles, um, as we have disagreed and, and re-agreed and, and things. Not, uh, not perhaps the best example of Christian unity, but it's, it's, it's us. Perhaps the most important recent 
fairly recent thing was the, the disruption in 1843 at St, the church is now St Andrews and St George's West on, on George Street where Thomas Chalmers took about a third of the ministers of the Church of Scotland out from their General Assembly there and they marched um, along George Street and down Hanover Street to, to Tanfield in Waterleith where I don't know, Standard Life used to have a big office, I'm not quite sure if it's still Standard Life, but down and, and they met there. And that formed the, the Free Church. This church here, Barclay Viewforth, as, as we are now known, um, was a United Free Church. At that time in the 19th century, there was a lot of kind of competitive church building because there was the Free Church and there was the, the Church of Scotland still, and also the United Presbyterian Church, with three main denominations in, in Scotland at, at that time. And they used to kind of, if somebody built a church, they, then the other one would build a bigger church right next door. And one of the reasons this church was built, sadly, perhaps, um, was that uh, the Roman Catholic Church um, down at Lauriston was built. And they couldn't have that, so they wanted to build a really big, tall, tall church. So everybody could see that would be the free church. One of the things about, about the free church um, is that it's really important to hear the word of God preached. So we have a big pulpit. We have galleries like this. Um, there were even extra galleries that were taken down in about 1911. But there are so, so many galleries. This is not a traditional church layout. Everything is designed so that you're looking at me. You know, um, and that somebody at the front is, is, is preaching. If you think about other historical churches, the focus is on the communion table and the pulpit is to the side because there the, the focus, the important thing is the sacrament of communion. But within the free church, as this was built, the important thing was the preaching of the word. And you can see how the architecture is, is bearing that out. But this church also plays part in the history in Scotland. Um, Two American evangelists, Moody and Sankey, uh, were um, fabulous preachers and musicians, and they led a, a big revival, lots of people coming to faith in, in Scotland. And that started here. And they actually had a problem, because they, 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 brought their, they brought their portable organ, as portable as it would have been in those days, uh, and they brought it down and they, they kind of turned it in the, in the, the street outside. It's still a nice big turning place. Uh, and they turned it, but it fell off the carriage. And it, and it broke. And they had to work out new things to do. Uh, and this building was was full of people, night after night after night, listening to uh, those evangelists and to um, James Hood Wilson, who was the first minister uh, here. Again, there are books you can read uh, all about that if you'd like to. Um, from this place... Um, was founded the Grove Street Mission along towards Grove Street, um, North Merkiston Church, which is now part of, of Marston St. Giles as well. This place has been at the heart of many uh, movements. We talked about the disruption. In, in 1929, the three denominations came back together. The United Free Church, the United Presbyterian Church, and the Church of Scotland. Um, of course, being the uh, argumentative 
people that we are. Some people stayed out, so there is still the free church and other denominations. Um, But they came together because they realized that Scotland was too big to be evangelized by any one of the denominations. They came back together to reform the Church of Scotland. But that's why you kind of see in many places, you know, churches on different corners uh, of the street um, being all apparently churches of Scotland. They all have to have their own parish. Um, But because of that competitiveness, we need a bigger church or a bigger church or a bigger church. They're they're still there. We have far too many buildings, um, particularly now. But even then, there's never been... All these church buildings have never been full because they were all built to hold everybody, and and everybody uh, never came. And that that reunification, unions used to be celebrated. They used to report in the General Assembly each year how many churches had reunified, come back together to form the Church of Scotland, which is not the same thing we have, have now. Now it seems a competition so often. My church won. Uh, Your church lost. We are still here, you're not. Except we're all actually on on the same side, all seeking to tell people about God, about the gospel of Jesus, just as Andrew did in the reading, Finding His Brother. But remember who we are. We are long past the, the glory days of 1957 when membership of the Church of Scotland was at its highest. The days when the General Assembly kind of was the Scottish Parliament because there wasn't a Scottish Parliament. And that was one of the few places where people of Scotland could come together uh, to discuss issues. Since 1957, membership has declined at a remarkably consistent 4% a year. It is quite, uh, as a statistician, it rejoices my heart. There's a lovely straight line. Sadly, it goes down the way, but it... uh, has gone down at 4%. Um, membership that used to be in the millions is now less than 300,000. The number of people who gather and worship in churches of Scotland uh, on a Sunday wouldn't, feel, wouldn't fill Murrayfield Stadium. Uh, the number within Edinburgh wouldn't fill a stand at Tynecastle Park. We are a big church. Uh, we have children. We have people under 60. These are not things to take for granted in the Church of Scotland at this time. We might see many buildings, but what's behind the facade? We have wonderful office bearers who have served faithfully. We give long service certificates that are celebrated for decades of faithful service. But is that really good? Why has nobody come up behind to take on the roles? Why is somebody session clerk for 50 years and not, say, 5 or 10 years, and then somebody else takes it over? So many places are held up by a handful of faithful, dedicated people, which doesn't have a future. We're told to remember who we are, and it's not remember who we were. 
It's who we are now in a very different Scotland, a very different Kirk. And you know, we've heard things here about, about the presbytery plan and, and whatnot. And, and the issue is there aren't, there aren't the ministers. There, there aren't, there's only about 40% of our ministers are due to retire in the next five years. One of, one of my jobs in, in the offices is, is looking to see how many ministers we expect to have in five and ten years' time. It's going to be a very bumpy ride the next few years. I, I don't know what the Church of Scotland will look like. Nobody really knows what it will look like. But if we remember who we are, the Church of Scotland is not God. We are not here. We don't come together on a Sunday morning to worship the Church of Scotland, however much we might love it, hate it, be frustrated by it. We are here as children of God. We are here to make sure there's nothing between us and God, to be sure there's nothing between other people and God. As John the Baptist did in the reading, he pointed his two followers to Jesus. Don't follow me, follow him. Andrew and the other one went and followed Jesus, and then found other people, found his brother, and brought him to Jesus. That is what we are called to do within the Church of Scotland or whatever's left of it in a few years' time. We are called to follow as we have sung. We are called to bring others to Christ, to remember who we are, and to help other people to remember that as well. Whatever happens to this particular denomination over the next few years. God is still God. God loves the people of Scotland and we are still called to follow him. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your care for the people of Scotland. We thank you for the deep history of those who brought the faith to these shores, of those who have built this place, who have ministered in this place, those who have taught us of you. Lord, be with those who are called to make decisions about the Church of Scotland. We give you thanks for the elders and Session Clark, for David, our minister, for those in committees and offices of the Church of Scotland and other denominations in this country and beyond. Lord, help us to follow you, to seek your guidance, to see where you would lead us to. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen.